This is Maitland Ward, and you are listening to Tanya Tate Presents Skinfluencer Success Podcast. This is Tanya Tate. Skinfluencer Success. wonderful people who are looking to level up your loot. I'm Tanya Tate and this is my podcast, Tanya Tate Presents Skinfluencer Success. Also on my show, my special guest Maitland Ward will share how she went from mainstream actress to an award-winning adult film star and a published author of her brand new book. She shares her journey and story. How could you become a writer of your own memoirs? What have I been up to? Well, I've been back to the UK on a trip. Whoa, so amazing. After two and a half years, I finally got to go back. And I traveled as a mom with my son, Ozzy. He had an amazing time, <laughs> I have to say. They picture this, me, a kid who's almost five at the time. He's, five, he's, he's just turned five. Two big massive suitcases, one small suitcase, a backpack, a big bag, and a car seat. Picture that, walking through the airport, and a kid that likes to run off. You think he's right next to you and he's gone somewhere else. He's just stopped there, so you've got to stop the suitcases and then walk back like those three steps. You think he's right next to you. (laughs) Like, hey, this is mum life. But you know what? It was great. It was a long plane ride to get there. It was like nine and a half hours on the plane going out there. The plane was late taking off. It sat on the runway for a bit. It landed. We didn't have a gate to get back into. So we had to sit again on the runway. It's a really long plane for a little four or five year old. And he did great. He had his little TV on, played some games, and then he went to sleep. And he actually slept most of the time. Um, the airport was fun. That was the bit where he started... Um, thinking he was going to take three steps back while I took two steps forward. Or the bit where we were in the airport and Ozzy decides that he's going to run up those escalators and he's going to get to the top and he's going to start putting his hand across the handrail. And the man that works in the airport comes and tells him something. And there's me at the bottom, still coming up the escalator with the suitcase because I can't run up and leave it. Oh my goodness. Or the part where... You know the bit where you go and you show like your boarding pass or you show your passport and you have to go through that security people and they look at it and then the next step you step in and you get everything out your suitcase if you need to and you put it in trays. That bit took a while for us to get through. Ozzy was through with me. Next minute turned around, he's the other side. And I'm like, there he is across the other side with the other different man in the airport this time. And I'm like, well, can I get it? (laughs) Get here. Oh my goodness, it was fun. It was funny. He really did great. But to be back in England after two and a half years, the last time my family saw him, he was 
18 months old and like now then now he's he's massive he definitely looks much older than four or five years old that he is but who did I see over there I, we saw so many people I spent time I stayed with my dad and my dad's girlfriend and I spent time staying with my mom we spent time with my brother and also ooh, I got to see one of my very good friends some of you might know who she is Kerry Louise um, another fellow Brit also in the adult industry and also a mum so that was great so we got to drive over to see her and we stayed in her house and she's she's got a little girl and Ozzy and the little girl got on great um, we spent a lot of time in pubs family pubs that had a lot of kids play areas and of course when I was with Kerry Louise we were in a kids play area pub then I love the pubs in England. You can just go and you can just be like, okay, I'll order me dinner. I'll sit here. I'll sit at the table. And you can actually see the kids play area. And they can't get out unless they walk past the table. It's really safe. I wish they had more stuff like that over here. I, maybe I need to check into that as a mum. But yeah, so many people. Mum, dad, brothers, sister, cousins, nieces, nephews, uncles. Oh my goodness. So many people. And you know, being back over there and you go and do that big family meetup meal. Well, we had a few family meetup meals actually, but the big one that was my dad goes to. And it's it's sad because, you know, the other times that I was there, my brother Davin, I'd be texting him, come on, Davin, we're coming. You're going to come meet us at the pub. Yeah, 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 sis, I'll come. And me Uncle Alan, come to the pub, Uncle Alan. Ah. Oh. Oh, we have to. We have to. Scouser. He loved coming. He, he'd, he'd come. He'd sit down. I have to tell you a story one day. I must have had 8 by 10s This was a lot of years ago. And I had these 8 by 10s And my cousins were like, sign one for me, mate. Sign this one for me, mate. I was like, okay, just take all my 8 by 10s I think I had flyers as well. Maybe I'd been to a, con maybe I'd been to a convention in London. And then I went and stayed in up and around Liverpool area for like a week or so. Sign this for me, mate. Sign that for me. Sign this one. And all these pictures were coming out and I was just like trying to like write on them without writing on them under the table because some of them were like X-rated pictures. I don't think they'd really seen what I, I was giving them. I was just like thinking, don't, don't, just, just give it to you, mate. Just put it in this envelope and give this one to you, mate. And my uncle Alan was sitting there and I can remember his face. He was just like shaking his head, like, oh, oh. I, I don't know if he was embarrassed or, you know, I'm sitting there under the table, but he, he'd always make me laugh. I'd say to him, Uncle Alan, oh, what, what do you want now? What do you want now? And you'd say, whatever, oh, oh do I have to? But he all, he, he, you asked him for anything, he had a heart of gold and he, he would do anything for you. And whenever you'd asked him, he'd do it. But he he liked to make like a, a big deal of, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Missing people. Family's precious. Friends that are like family are precious too. Just, you know, gonna be a bit sentimental today, aren't I, on the podcast? But you know what? We, we took so many pictures when we were over there and it's recording those memories, isn't it? I don't write stuff down. I it maybe I should. I've got a lot of things I, I, I do. 
maybe one of you can end up writing it for me. But being a mum, you know you're away and you you got to keep your son entertained. And I did. I think I kept Ozzy entertained. We met a lot of people. Now, bearing in mind, you know, a lot of close friends, a lot of different family, relatives, second cousins, you know, um, so many. But there was quite a lot of different kids that he got to meet, which was great. And we got to do a lot of places, you know, we went to the museum, we went to the farm. We we just did a lot. And it, it he, he was fun. He, he really loved it. I mean... Ozzy is a kid, he doesn't really like change and he likes things a certain way, certain things. But when it comes to meeting people, if I'm okay with them, he's okay with them. But I've got to tell you, I completely lost my voice when I was out there. Like, completely lost it. We landed and then the next day I'm like, oh, my throat's a bit sore. And then the next day I'm like, this is really sore. And the next day I was like, I know you probably can't even hear that, can you? I couldn't even get the squeak out. It was literally like that. It was whispering. And we had to go to a restaurant and I'm I'm trying to order the food and I'm trying to write it down. And it it did get a little bit hair-raising at some point. So I'm like, what happens for people that can't speak? You realize how frustrated it can be to not be able to say your voice when people are like rushing you. Like, hurry up and order your food. It, it puts, you know, it puts a different perspective on things. But it came back. It took a while. It lasted even when I came back. I still had the, the sore throat when I came back, but at least I got the voice back. But over there, I had to try and keep on my diet because I have chronic Lyme disease. So I eat a, a very clean anti-inflammatory diet. But I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? But I've got to tell you, it's it can be done you just got to keep eating a lot of the same food all the time and my go-to meal was chips or as chips i call them chips or americans call them french fries thick chips fat chips whatever you want to call them and a vegan burger and i actually had some vegan coleslaw and some little bit of lettuce that was probably about it I, I, I had a lot of those meals when we were in the in, in those pubs. I didn't matter, you know why? Because I was with my family. I had a great breakfast. I was with my family, I was with people, I was with friends. And the UK was different, you know, it's, it's been two and a half years since I've been there and it was difficult circumstances that I went to when I was back there last. It, my my brother, who's 21, he, he passed away and I went over and sat with them at the, the bedside only turned off the life support machine so there was a lot of sadness last time I was there so I came back and the UK does feel different it's, it was cold really cold when I went there a lot of rain okay I'm used to that really am but it's different because the homes were cold people right now it's it's really difficult for people in the UK and I'm sure it is in a lot of other countries as well but especially the UK just because I've been there because I've experienced it like the petrol which is you know the gas for the vehicles um the actual gas that you have in the house the electricity everything's gone off and you know some people are, are facing fuel bills of not double not triple like four times the amount so it was really difficult for people to 
keep heating up the homes. But you know what? We made it cozy. Loads of blankets, loads of covers, hot water bottle. Me and Ozzy, we had our own hot water bottle. It was great. Um, it's always sad to leave, isn't it? To go back, you know, when you're spending somewhere really great, when you're on your holiday, your vacation, and you're spending somewhere really nice. But I, I, was, I was so happy. I got to spend time with my family, with friends. It, it was it was lovely. So it was a bit sad to leave, but it was also nice to come back home. And when I walked into my house, I was like, oh my God, my house is so big. And for an American house, my house is not big, but compared to England, my house is big. All the houses in England are a whole lot smaller. And I used to live in one of those houses. I just didn't realize. But it's nice. It's nice to be home. But then we came back poorly. Ozzy, he got, he got a temperature. And I thought, was he okay? But he, he, he just felt hot and I didn't think anything of it. And he was fine. So he comes back, he goes to school. And then he comes home that night and he's exhausted, he's tired. And now he's really hot. Not just a bit hot, he's really hot. Poor Ozzy got a temperature. He got a temperature, it was uh, mostly off, but a little bit on for a few days. And he was exhausted, he was tired, he went off his food. Um, we both did COVID tests, we were both negative. I had the sore throat. So I'm taking in the doctors one morning. And, and then after that, I'm going to the doctors. So... We're doing great now. Took some antibiotics, took some allergy drops for the nose, Zyrtec D for me, allergies. The doctor said I might have allergies. That's why my throat was pretty rough. Or it could have been a bacterial infection. Who knows? Who knows? But you know what? I got it the second I got in the UK and it lasted me the whole of the time. But did it stop me? Did it stop me? No, it was just a sore throat. It didn't stop me from doing anything. And Ozzy's birthday was coming up just a few days after we got back. And you know what? I said, you know, this party's going to happen. It's going to happen. And the doctor said, he can have his party as long as he doesn't have a temperature. And you know what? He didn't have a temperature. And it was great. If, imagine it would have been heartbroken, five-year-old, having your birthday party in one of like those indoor jungles. And imagine being told you can't have your party. That was not going to happen. I, I, You know when you just know? I just put all doubt away and just said to myself the party's going to happen and just envisage the party thinking about the amazing time he's going to have feeling that joy of being there and true enough the party took place and he had he had a great time he loved it it was really nice for him so when am I going to go back to the UK so one of my school friends is getting married and she's getting married on May the 4th 2024 so I'm definitely that's that's definitely the next time that I've got planned to go back with Ozzy. But I'm thinking, seeing that I met up with Carrie Louise, um, and the lot there are a lot of other hot girls in the UK. I'm thinking maybe I should go back for a work trip where I go back and meet some of the other UK models, and we get to do some content together. I mean, you should tell me which UK models do you want me to shoot with. I mean, Carrie Louise, Lindsay Dawn McKenzie, Michelle Thorne. Let me know who, who who do you think? Let me know because maybe I'll I'll start hitting them up. Gemma Massey. Gemma Massey. It's quite a lot of girls actually that I know over there. So if you are listening to me right now and you are hearing this, let me know which girls that you you want me to shoot with in the UK. Maybe I can start planning a, a trip for next year when it's a whole lot warmer, and I'll be shooting some content with them and be putting it on my premium social media accounts. Taking time off was just wonderful for the memories. 
but returning back home means now catching up on at least two weeks of work. Well, probably a little bit longer because by the time you pack, you unpack and you, you kind of get some rest. It's definitely at least three weeks work. And being self-employed, no one does the work while you're away. So I haven't been able, wasn't able to make any new content, <laughs> except one time when I was in the shower. <clears throat> um, <laughs> empty house, get in the shower, you, you know, you, you need to do that. Um, but I couldn't have any phone calls or video calls. Um, apart from losing my voice, it was a little bit tricky. And now I've got back and it's coming to the end of the year and the accountant's asking me about my accounts and she wants to see them and I'm just like, oh no. So I mean, you know what? I'm going to put everything on my get-to list and eventually it's going to get done. The accounts will be done in time. Now the fans have a recharge to me and I'm ready to get back to where we left off. But just reflecting back, living away from family means not having a family to hug when you need it. Well, I do have family here, I, you know, but especially my mum, you know, or just, you just want your brother to give you a big bear hug or you just want to give your dad a hug or you just want to stroke their little dog. And it's... It's a different place, isn't it? It's, it's so many thousands of miles in between. But you know what? It makes the memories and time more precious being with them. And the memories that you make with your family, it's really everything. I feel so blessed that I was able to get on a plane and go and meet family and friends. And I've got to say, my fans are the ones that made it possible. And I have to give a massive big appreciation for all the financial support that you're all giving me. So whether you're on my OnlyFans, my Sex Panther, my Patreon, or in some other supportive ways, you know, maybe just as simple as following me on Twitter or interacting with me or keeping an eye on those fat catfish accounts, or just willing to give me a listen on the podcast, download it, click that download button. For all of this, I say a big thank you. Now, friends and family, they they do mean a lot to me. Good family and friends can bring great happiness and joy into your life. But not every family's perfect and gotta say mine's no exception. You know, we all have some someone in our family we prefer not to think about or wish they weren't bothering us. But you can you can look at certain family members and I've done this, you can feel hate and feel really rage, hatred towards them. But you know what? All that does is hurt you inside. Here's what I'm going to say. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, this family member or that family member, just think about it. It's like, just all you need to do is think of one reason of how they've enriched your life and just fill your heart with appreciation. There. I, I, I just thought of it then as I was saying it to you. There's always something good that you can think of, something to be grateful for. Even if it's as simple as a sister that's give you a, a beautiful niece, you know? A parent that really annoys you, they've given birth to you. There's, there's always something precious. So, you know, what, what about you? Do you have family close by or like me, your family far away? Maybe you don't get along with family, 
or they're no longer on the earth. Maybe you have friends that are more like family. Relationships with good friends and family is genuinely something to be grateful for every day. Treat your family like friends and your friends like family. You know, some of them are like little hidden treasures, aren't they? And you seek them, you find them and you enjoy all the riches that they have to offer. And it isn't always about blood. You know, it's, it's the people in your life, those that are in your life and those that want you to be in their life and that accept you for you, for who you are, who would do anything to make you smile and love you no matter what. They're the people that count. Very sentimental today, isn't it? Next on Tanya T presents Skinfluencer Success. How could you become a writer of your own memoirs? My guest mate Lamorde will share how she went from mainstream actress to award-winning adult film star and published author of her brand new book. This is Tanya Tate. Skinfluencer Success. You are listening to Tanya Tate presents Skinfluencer Success. This podcast is about sharing success stories. But how would you become the author of your very own top selling book where you open up your life for all to read? My guest is a mainstream actress who's crossed over into the adult industry, become an award winning adult film star and is now a published author. Welcome, Maitland Ward, to the Skinfluencer Success Podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on here. Thank you so much for coming on because I know wow. you've been really super busy. Um, yes, really busy with the whole launch of the book and everything and traveling and, and doing, you know, press and then, you know, signings and all of that and stuff. But it's, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I remember when we very, very first kind of met, you reached out to me and Alex, um, Monstar PR, to get publicity when you first kind of come into the adult industry. Then when I met you in person, I met you at the award show. And I was yes. like, Mayland, <laughs> beautiful, tall, like statuesque. <laughs> Oh, you too. I know we had fun. We, yeah. Oh, back before pre pandemic days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was well, that now, I think. I think it's going to be fun coming up with all the awards and everything. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely. We do have awards coming up and we, we will get to see each other in person again yeah. there. Yeah. So, Maitland, let, let's start at the beginning. You know, you, let's talk about Maitland Ward. You went from a Disney princess to a porn queen. So, People that are listening, some of them might know you for your role now, your roles then. So tell everyone kind of like a little bit about your mainstream career, what you did. Well, it, it spans, you know, decades. I started out very quickly on a soap opera and I was on contract for like three years or whatever I was on there for. And um, that was on The Bold and the Beautiful. And it was kind of like I was dropped into this mainstream world really overnight. I had gotten my braces off around 16, 15, 16. And my parents said, okay, you can you can uh, get a, go for acting because I wanted to do that. But they were like, I don't think they expected me to have it overnight. But I took like an acting class with the casting director for Bold and Beautiful because I had been I had been a big soap opera fan uh, in my, you know, formative years, I guess with my, yeah. I watched, you know, my mom and 
um, and then as a preteen and teenager. So um, I thought, oh, I saw this class coming up and I thought it would be fun to be in this whole soap world. And I thought, oh, there's going to be a lot of soap guys in there and it's going to be it's going to be so fun. And it was mostly middle aged women <laughs> that, you know, were actors who um, were really, you know, had been in the business for a, a, a long time. But I did. I had a great time acting with them and, and learning from them at such a young age. But then the casting director for Bull and Beautiful asked me to audition for the show. And the rest was history with that. And then shortly after I left Bold and Beautiful, I, not, yeah, not too long, I did some different, uh, you know, guest spots on shows and pilots and movies of the week and things like that. And then I uh, got my stirring role on, on Boy Meets World. That was the big like turning point for me. And, and at the time, it was a huge show that was on TV and on ABC and it had been on for some years and it already had an established cast and an established audience who uh, was very devoted. Um, so I was excited and nervous to be on the show. I actually got on the show, not by auditioning for the show. I was on, I was auditioning for a part on a pilot that the executive producer of Boy Meets World was casting. He had created another pilot yeah. that was going to, um, you know, be for pilot season. He saw me there and he said, I want to have her for Boy Meets World. So they had been thinking of having a roommate for two of the core characters, Eric and Jack, and uh, like a girl to mix things up because they were, you know, two bachelors living in an apartment. And so I was like the three's company element of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Boy Meets World was very much going into a friends type of mode because they had grown up. They were in college now. And so we were, you know, like this young, hot cast uh, instead of like the kids growing up and everything. But yeah, it's it's interesting because that was, you know, my inception in the business. And, and then I did, you know, I was in White Chicks after that, that got a lot of attention. And then I was like the roles in Hollywood really were shutting for me completely, especially because I had been on such a show like Boy Meets World and I had played a character that people knew and mm -hmm. they had an idea of, and they were like, no, you are that character. You can only play that kind of role for the rest of your life. And um, they just it was put, put you in like a little typecast box. This this is where you're yeah. going to stay, Maitland. Yes, very much so for many years. And I, I tried to fight back for many years to try to get through that Hollywood system. And really, it was my you know, my switch into porn. And it wasn't like people think that my switch was like, oh, overnight, she said, I'm going to be a porn star and I'm going to shoot these things or whatever. Um, it was a long journey because I, like, I had moved to New York for a while. I got married. I, you know, I was kind of focusing on, I took screenwriting for several years. I went to UCLA for it. Um, and I, I studied New York too. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to focus on my writing. Maybe I can create a part for me. I, I found myself wanting to write more like sexier stuff and, and more daring stuff and dramatic. And I found all this sort of erotic element in everything that I was writing. Mm -hmm. And I, I was really discovering actually my own sexuality that I had repressed a lot, but my core Hollywood years, like I had, I'd wanted to be the good girl. And I had been told I had to be a certain way, especially by Disney. Like I could Sure, I could traipse around in lingerie and do all these kind of uh, sexually like suggestive things on a Disney sitcom. But if I did anything in my real life that stepped out of a box uh, to be, 
you know, do something that I want to do that might be considered sexy or, or too far by them. I was, you know, definitely reprimanded for that. But, um, so that's, that's, sorry, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, this is a company and, and this is what it's like in life. People, companies, corporates, wherever they try and tell you how you should behave. And, you know, there's a certain, we are expected to behave a certain way in general and you know in a public capacity but it always it always gets me you know we're going to come back because this we are leading into the porn world here and we we are both adults actresses but you know it puts it back like the way people expect well you can't do this and you can't do that and now this is I'm I've jumped ahead because this is one of my later questions that I was going to ask you about Mm -hmm. but you've just brought it up now the way that people see people that like have like OnlyFans account that do sexy stuff that reveal different parts of their body we're doing it on on a in an adult capacity on adult websites and adult places you know and and it always gets me that you can't like take you can't do this like in in Spain you can go and sunbathe topless on the beach but Disney be like, well, you you can't take your clothes off, no, yeah, because you know, w- would they reprimand you, or would the, if you did that, then would they've just completely dropped you? Is is that how the deal would have gone? Oh, I think so. Yeah, if I did that back then, I would have been completely dropped off the show. But I I wasn't even going for that far back then, I, or even in the subsequent years, uh, I wasn't you know trying to do porn or adult like that. I just like they would get upset if I would wear a swimsuit or you know something just you know, being sexy or trying to be a little flirty or, or, you know, whatever it was. Um, so, so, so quite controlling then sexually, like a swimsuit for me, a swimsuit's a swimsuit. Like yes, I could put it on and I could walk around my house. I can walk around my garden. I could go to the pool yeah. at the gym and wear a swimsuit and not feel someone's going to say something to me. But for yeah. you, like putting on a swimsuit and suddenly your employer's like, no, no, that's yeah. too much. Yeah, that's too much. And then, but at the same time on the show, I was, as my character was the more, I would say, sexually explicit character, although it was, you know, covered by the whole Disney uh, goody two shoes thing. But I was the one who was always wearing lingerie. I was dancing around the house in it. I was uh, flirting with the boys. And I was, you know, I was my they had my pictures up in the student union, like half naked. They like, I did all sorts of things in that show that today I look back on, I'm like, oh my gosh, they were such, they were so suggestive. And, and I think a lot of the Disney shows at the time were like that. So they were okay with this kind of, you know, innuendo suggestion of sex or, or being sexy. Cause they wanted, they wanted the boys to watch the show and the, and the, I'd say the more they like the Disney executives and stuff loved seeing, you know, younger girls all cute and sexy yet still in their control in their box that they could put them in. Yeah, so that was kind of the culture of a, of a lot of Disney and Nickelodeon, all those kind of shows back in like the 90s, the 2000s, early and stuff. So um, I think a lot of a lot of girls suffered from that. And I think you hear stories from a lot of people and a lot of women in the industry who worked at that time. And you'll hear similar stories. Yeah. But, yeah. The, but, this, uh, it was, and it wasn't something that you was allowed to talk about either, because imagine if you was there it go back those years and you started talking about it to people um this is you know this is the way that we're being put in a box we're not allowed to be slightly overly sexual it, it's yeah. something that you couldn't talk about them because you would have got dropped 
you know, you, right. you can speak and out I, against your employer. It wasn't even in my mindset to talk about it. I wanted to please everyone and I wanted to be, you know, somebody that the producers liked and Disney liked. And, and so I really, you know, that's, that was my mindset. I was, I was always thinking, oh, when I had, you know, when I was wearing the lingerie and stuff, not that, oh, I, I want to do it myself or anything like that, even though I maybe would have, I wasn't as comfortable in my body and my sexuality back then. So um, I don't think that's what I would have done. But if I, um, I, but I was, I was just thinking I needed to please them and be good enough for them and look good enough and be cute and be sexy for them as opposed yeah. to myself. So that was just like, we weren't even thinking about like, oh, any of us, like, oh, women need to, you know, be their own people and, and, you know, control their own sexuality and their bodies and everything. So it, it was, it was what they wanted. So, so there you are, you were looking for different opportunities. The, you was kind of typecast. So how did you start making the way into starting to do more revealing things? Well, it's interesting because like I said, I was, I was thinking about writing my own stuff and that's right around the time. Like when I moved back to California uh, with my husband, because I'd been in New York for a couple of years and Boy Meets World had a spinoff called Girl Meets World that came back around, it was around 2013. They started filming. Um, and that's when so much social media attention came to the cast of the show that's when really Instagram and Snapchat and everything was just really on the rise and becoming very popular. Twitter was, you know, gaining steam and, and all of that. And I, I was still being told by Disney, if you want to be on the show, you know, you have to, you know, only play the roles we want you to play or be the kind of persona that you want to do. Publicists would tell me you can't be anything sexy. If you're over 25 Nobody wants to see it. You you want to be in the Disney universe and be the, like soccer mom and stuff. Um, but I really saw with social media that I could use this as my opportunity to just be my own person. People were following me. People, you know, I started doing a lot of sexy cosplay and that was really the launching point for people, you know, coming to me and saying, oh, I, you know, I love you doing this and I, I, I love this stuff. And I was getting this whole new audience like on Instagram and Snapchat and stuff that maybe watched Boy Meets World and maybe was a fan of my other stuff, but also people that, you know, just discovered me at Comic-Cons or, or in the press because it went crazy in the press when I would dress in these costumes or do these sexy setups and stuff. Um, I knew the first time that I really knew that I was starting to evolve into something different, I guess, uh, was at a Comic-Con when somebody came up to me and the guy said, you know, I love your work. And I thought, oh, he's maybe a Boy Meets World fan or whatever. And he's like, I love you on Snapchat. And that was like, oh, he's watching my social media. And so that's, it was like, he, that was a whole new world for me. But I did that for some years. And it wasn't until uh, the beginning of 2018, where I kept, of course, on social media, get, getting shut down for like, you know, like you said, little things of, you know, that adult stars or people doing a little more racy things, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> do like the shadow of a nipple or, or like, you know, just I was wearing too much sexy stuff in for nothing even that I would get taken off. And I was thinking, this is really frustrating. And my fans suggested, well, why don't you sell content? And I didn't know what that was, but so I started a Patreon page just on a whim thinking, oh, maybe I'll make some money I can put to costumes or do my own thing. But then I became like overnight, I had, 
you know, first 20 subscribers without even acknowledging announcing it to anyone. And by the week's end, I had like 2,800 subscribers and I was one adult on Patreon. And, um, so yeah, it really, it really snowballed from there, but I didn't start, I, I mean, I didn't start doing like more porn stuff right at the beginning. I was doing, I, I was doing more nudes and like Playboy-esque and style stuff mm-hmm. and cosplay, the sexy cosplay and everything. It just kind of snowballed. And I was, I was, you know, kind of discovering myself and I was thinking, you know, I don't know. I just took this really authentic journey with people. And I started out by doing some girl, girl stuff because I enjoyed that. And I wanted to, you know, just, you know, explore that side of myself. And then it kept going and going until finally I was like, you know what, you know, my husband and I actually had a big discussion that it's, you know, I talk about a lot in the book about, you know, me doing stuff with guys. And then I uh, finally did that. And I did, I worked exclusively on my content with uh, Danny Mountain and Isaiah Maxwell in the beginning. And I learned so much from them. And I was very fortunate to get professional porn people in all of my content that I shot. But it wasn't like for about a year and a half until I started to, you know, step into the, the I guess, the mainstream adult film world. And, and boy, did I dive in like just all the way because like I, I was approached by Vixen to do Blacked and I did the a Blacked scene because I wanted to, I would thought, you know, I'm doing my own content and everything, but I really want to have like some really high production pieces. I had this vision that I wanted to do great scripts with great acting and great hot sex. And I thought this should be a thing. And and I did the black scene and I had a great time and it broke like all records when it came out. Uh, Rachel was doing blacked on and porn, but it really didn't get into the whole mainstream press. It was more like a, a viral moment. Like everybody on Reddit and Twitter and all places were just going crazy with it. But at that same time, Caden Cross, who had just launched Deeper.com for the Vixen brands, she was getting her first feature together with Angela White. We love Angela White as well. Yes, I know. (laughs) And she, yeah. And so her co-star, her co-lead actress was, they lost her. (laughs) So it was basically the day that happened is the day my black scene came out. And I, and Caden, you know, says she thought, you know, they would have to scrap the project because they were under such deadline, especially for awards deadlines and everything. Yeah. And we had to start shooting right away. So when she went to Vixen that Monday after the weekend um, and said, I, I don't, I don't have my lead. And they said, talk to Maitland. She's an actress and she just broke the internet. <laughs> so um, so short, like we met at a Starbucks that day and I read her script and I was like, this is exactly this kind of stuff that I want to do. This is a full script and this is, I can really act in this and, and there's hot sex and everything. So we did that and we started filming right away and we had a really good time. I mean, we really worked hard on it and, and everything. And it blew up like nothing you've seen before because when Drive, the movie was going to come out, I uh, did some interviews, I, uh, especially with one trusted reporter that I had for uh, In Touch magazine. And I also did one with Two Fab that I, uh, you know, said, I'm in a porn movie. This is the biggest deal. And that was the thing that Google trended number one all day, beating Bernie's heart attack back wow. then. Um, and it was insane. The deeper, like the subscriptions were just going wild and, and, drive was just taking off like no other and then so yeah it was like shortly after that I got my 
I got a contract, you know, with the, to be the face of deeper and also to, um, with Vixen and everything. And, and I can't believe it's been, it's been three years, really a little over three years since that happened. So, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. And, and I love, I'm picking up on these things where you're saying, you know, when you was, you was, writing you, you wanted to screenwriting because you wanted to write your own roles you wanted it to be more sexy you had this vision this vision and then i love it when opportunities come together you know you're thinking yeah. about this so you're manifesting yeah and this is what i want and you're sitting there and you're visualizing it and then when you said when you went and met for Cade and cross for coffee and you read the script and you was like this is exactly what i yeah. wanted acting yes. sexy erotic high budget you know very high end and yeah I, I love the way it just come together for you yeah I always find like the things that are really special and meant to be come together in a very easy way and I don't mean easy where you like you've done all the work ahead of time but then something just happens where it's like oh it just flows like it just comes like it all comes together finally in in such a you know, fluid, easy way or whatever. Do you use like meditation or a vision board or? or I'm definitely a big yoga person. I actually was, I trained to be a, a yoga instructor. I never planned to teach and I haven't taught except for like my friends and family, like <laughs> that want me to help them out a bit. I did, I did a yoga training and I, I really felt that that helped me, you know, just really get into my body and spiritually and everything. So um, yeah. And I find like, the things that you manifest, I mean, I totally, totally agree with people, you know, meditation and everything like that, but sometimes it's just what's in your mind all the time and what you're putting out there. You don't have to sit down and like meditate on it all the time. But like, I was just always thinking, I want to do this and talking about that. I want to do this and just, I guess, putting it out there into the, into the universe and the ether. And um, so I think that's how it did. It wasn't so much that I sat down and meditated on a certain something. I was just always putting that kind of vibe out there for that kind of thing. So it was always kind of in and out of your mind to just be like, yeah. hey, universe, universe, this is what I would like. And this yeah. is this is something that I'm working towards. You know, when you, I was saying when you're focused on a goal and you've got like a clear yeah. vision in your mind, sometimes right. it's not necessarily the hard work getting there. You're just kind of taking the steps and you're focusing on it. Yeah. And then that's when the opportunities, it's like you're telling the universe, this is what I want. And then right. you, you just wait for the universe to bring it back and you keep reminding the universe yeah. and eventually goes, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it really was with uh, the whole thing with Caden and Deeper and everything. So <laughs> I, you know, I talking about, you know, the movies, everything was just, you know, the subscriptions, everything was going like up and up and up. And I was just looking online because, you know, I, I did a little bit of research beforehand <laughs> and, you know, I got a little bio and it said, you know, this awards show, you know, XBiz, AVNs, all, all the awards. So I've got to ask you, like in your first year, you've come in, like, you know, you're, you're brand new to the adult industry. How many nominations did you get nominated for? If you can remember, she's oh. like, I've got to think of my trophies. I was like, I can't remember the nomination number, but I did. I won so many. <laughs> I won three at each at Expos and AVN. 
So that was wild because I I remember telling in the in the beginning to Keenan, I was like, I'm not even gonna be nominated. I've just come here. I don't I don't think I'm gonna be nominated at all. And she's like, No, you will definitely be nominated. And she was always telling me, You're going to win. I think you're going to win. She was very you know, she believed in me when I was like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. So those were, those were wonderful, surreal moments that um, I, I'm so proud of. It meant so much to me to be recognized and to be recognized in a way that was for my acting and then also for the sex. And so it was for everything. And it really, really yeah. touched me. Yeah. And I even won that year at AVN, the fan choice, like cosplay award. So that all came full circle too. <laughs> Yes, you got you got a, a crossover award as well. Yes, I, got get, like, I think that's the only time they crossed over the other way. <laughs> it's in such a big way. Yeah, uh, it, it is because uh, here's the thing: it, I've never worked in Hollywood as such. You know, I've done a couple of like little, you know, HBO nighttime movies where you really don't have to act because I'm not. I can't yeah. really act. <laughs> I have a go, but I'm definitely not a professional actress, you know, but I'm good at what I do on camera. And, you know, for for people, we we come in and we we have sex. And I found it was quite relatively, for me, it was, I I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a much easier industry to get into. Whereas then you kind of trying to go to like Hollywood roles it, 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 talk to me about that you know if somebody's starting to get into like adult versus mainstream it's definitely a lot of differences in stepping into it yeah it's interesting because well I think when I first was t- was an adult I think some people thought oh she's not serious she's just using it for publicity and she's just you know so they were I think there was a definitely an element of people in the industry that were wary of of me and my intentions it's weird to talk about like the Hollywood like machine. Cause I did come into it when I was very young and, and for past many years until I got into adults. So it was like, I was at a def- definitely such a different stage in my life when I really was able to embrace adult and everything. It's not like I just went overnight and said a year later, I was on Boy Meets World and a year later I'm doing porn films. It was like, I really had to take a progressive journey within myself and discover who I wanted to be and how I wanted to perform and everything. And I just, I just felt such a, such an outlet and um, satisfaction satisfaction in many ways and when I was performing a, in adult scenes and everything. But no, really, like that sort of like I just loved being a performer. And um, I do think it's weird, though, in my situation, I feel like I've gotten more respect for mainstream in Hollywood since I've done this and since I've made such, you know, such a brand and been so much in the press and the media and, you know, really had such a success with adult content, adult filming, everything. People in mainstream are much more, much more respectful of me now than they were when you just have to fit in that box and you stay there. Now they're like, wow, you've done all this and you've, you know, made all this money and you've created this brand and stuff. So, I mean, I think maybe it's changing too a little bit. I mean, about the acceptance of adults and you know mainstream and everything but it's definitely been fortunate to have such a great crossover into the whole realm i mean when i've had my first article out that said i was going into uh porn and i was doing drive and and deeper and everything the headline was saying maitland's taking her authentic journey like way to go girl and like all this 
I had everybody told me like in mainstream and porn when I announced that I was going to be in adult films and, and really star in them and everything. Everyone agreed. Oh, the press is going to eat you up. They're going to tear you apart. Caden yeah. did not want me to, to go to the press, the mainstream press with it because, oh, they're going to degrade you. I mean, I had headline after headline, but, and of course they were shocking. Like Rachel does porn and it's boy meets world star does this. And it gets people to read. But honestly, yeah. I had such a positive, such a positive reception and it really was able to catapult me. So, so yeah, I think it's a different scenario. Like, I don't know what it's like for a younger girl to come into porn straight off the street and like built her career like that. Cause I came in from like another angle, but it, you know what? I think it's hard in both industries though, to really build your base and build your, you know, brand. build your brand. I mean, it's, I mean, maybe it is harder in mainstream cause there's so much competition, but there's a lot in porn too that, you know, I give it to these girls that um, really build themselves up and build their brands and everything. I, I think, you know, for me as well, I come in, I was in my thirties so yeah, you have life experience, you have, you have a lot more um, control over your, your yes. thoughts and your body, you know, and yeah. you really know what you want. Whereas when I think back, if it was 10 years earlier, I could have been yeah. a lot more easily influenced by the people oh, around yeah. me thinking, I can't imagine. Yeah. well, they know best, they, they know what's best for me, but it's, it's not, it's, you know, when you're doing this kind of work that we do, you really have to be in control of what you want to do and the things yeah. that you want to be seen doing. It's great for us because we can make those choices and we can make those decisions and we can say yes or no. But I do think for like the younger girls or the inexperienced yeah. people, it's sometimes it's difficult, you know, the way you said, like you wanted to conform for Disney, you know, you, yeah, you were like, I got to do yeah. this to, to keep in Disney's good books. I think sometimes the the inexperienced people come in and they think, oh, this is what I have to do. I think that's absolutely true because if you're coming at it from some life experience and maturity, it's going to be different. It's just going to be a different situation than if you just come in and want to please everyone. And, and if you don't have any support around you. Yeah. It probably is very important I'm for the girls like to come in and have good like agency support and good, you know, a good team around them. If you're just getting jobs from whoever comes to you that's not a safe thing it's not a safe thing in mainstream either to get somebody photographers come at you and like want you want you to shoot all these things and that's not that's not safe either but I think a lot of girls get lured into that thinking yeah. that oh, oh yeah I'll please them I'll get fame and fortune and it, it's really not a good situation yeah I, I, that that was what I wanted to find out about you know when you did make the move when you were suddenly coming from mainstream to the X-rated world, you know, was it embraced? And you've just told me that, you know, the press, you know, they, they wanted the headlines, they wanted the clickbait. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's fair enough. But, yeah. but it was all very positive, you know. It's For me, I always think, you know, we're, we're now in a box. We are in a box now because we're adult stars. So now it's the mainstream, in my opinion, like, they still, you know, if I went to go and do a job at a certain place, like, you know, work in a school or work in a, as a oh, nurse. Yeah. Right. And still people now to this day, like the mainstream and the general public, they will still, they, some people have very deep thoughts, very deep personal thoughts, and they can have issues, you know where they don't want to interact or they, they right. be extremely disrespectful. Yeah. And 
I'm always wondering, like, when is this mainstream world really going to start accepting us? When when is this going to happen? You mean mainstream, not mainstream Hollywood world, like just in general. Like, the, Sorry, yeah. 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 You know what? And this is an interesting point because also I had a, actually a wonderful conversation with um, Michael Jacobs, who was the executive producer of Boy Meets World, who we, I had a lot of issues with in the past. He called me. We spoke for like an hour and a half after my book was out. And we had a great conversation. He was so respectful and happy for me, really. Yeah, we had, we're in a really good place. But he was like telling me, stop saying mainstream and adult. You are an actress. I have always known you as an actress. You are a performer. He's like, stop it. It's degrading to you. Stop, stop saying it. And I think a lot of times in adult, and I'm not faulting anyone for because I do it the same thing to try to differentiate it or whatever. I think it's that mindset of boxing yourself into. Like, cause you're like saying, oh, they were in this box. Well, why are you saying you're in this box? You're not in this box. You can go out like, and I know people are going to be judgmental and I know that there's hardships and everything. And I know I come in in different circumstance. So it's, it's, it's a little easier for me, but, um, but still, I think that a lot of people in the industry still talk about it. Like it's other than when it's, it should be, uh, you know, an extension of the world. I mean, everybody watches porn. I think being like said, just, I just think just talking, like setting yourself apart is never a good thing. And I did that too. Like I set myself apart as this Disney star and this Disney princess kind of person. And that was not good for me. And I think it's, you know, you should being open to everything and being proud of you are not treating yourself even in the most subtle subconscious ways that I'm other than is really important it's, that's really good advice like good words to sink mm. into all of us that are listening you know we have fans <laughs> that listen but we also have other content creators and other adult mm -hmm. stars and you know webcam models and stuff so right. I just love like different ideas and different experiences yeah so so now you've been making an absolutely amazing success. You're extremely successful with your OnlyFans. Yes. You're keeping your fans happy. You've got your contract with Vixen Media Group. And so at some point you've got all of this amazing, successful experience going on. And then you make the decision to write your book. So I, you know, I, I want to know, you know, what went through your mind of, when you started to think about writing the book and how did you come to the decision and how did you know this was the right time now? Yeah. You, you know what? This is another manifestation thing in my subconscious, I guess. I did not set about to write the book right now. I knew I wanted to tell my story and I've always been a writer and I studied writing and I really, I thought maybe I would write it into a screenplay or something, but I love, you know, writing in general. All, all around during the pandemic i did a podcast with a very like female empowerment podcast it was it was great and i talked about how i love writing and erotic writing i really want to you know do erotic uh stories and stuff and and i said i really want to tell my own story one day i really i really want to write a memoir and i think that'd be so great well i you know i was honest but i was just putting it out there but i wasn't thinking about right then because i was like thinking oh nobody has my story. Literally no one in the world ever has had my story. And I say that in a way yeah. that, you know, to come from mainstream into porn, from a Disney show into porn and have such success with it. And, 
um, be so high profile with it. And I just thought it was going to be fun and interesting, but I had an an agent um, from a literary agency was listening to the podcast um, and she contacted me and said, you know what? I think now is a great time to put a pitch deck together, put, you know, and really go to publishers and see if they're interested because I really think it would be a great story. And, you know, so I wrote a couple of chapters of it. I put together this amazing pitch deck. She really did an amazing job with it. But, you know, we, we, we put it together as a team. And it would be like at the beginning of 2021, we went to publishers. And by the end of February, Simon & Schuster had offered me a deal. It came about so fast and so easy in that way. I mean, it was, it was a lot of hard work. I started writing in March. I did not, like a lot of people, I did an actors and stuff. I did not have a ghostwriter at all. I did it all myself with my wonderful editor at Simon and Schuster and Atria Books. So I I wrote from about March to the end into August. So that was my time to write my memoir, and then I got edits. And then you had to wait like a year for it to be published because there's so oh. much like down the shoot, but after the writing that you're waiting for. So I can say that I really wanted to tell my story, but I probably thought I wouldn't even. Maybe not even do it right now. Maybe I would do it down the road, but uh, it came about very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you have any reservations? You know, you, you said you put it out there, you're on a podcast and it was like, you know, oh, I just would, you know, love to tell my story. And then, you you know, you're approached by someone saying, yeah, I've heard you. I, I We're going to write your story. You're going to do it, Maitland. So <laughs> did you have any reservations at this point, you know, at any time about, you know, releasing your life story and are there some things that you was okay putting out there and were there some things that you like you know what I'm gonna keep back and and keep this more personal I was so ready to tell my story because I had hidden be in this box and hidden for so long as this goody two-shoes type of person and I was really ready to be honest and I felt like writing it down the page because when I really was discovering like more of who I was as a woman and who I wanted to be in my sexuality. I was writing these erotic stories and it was like, I was, it was a secret between me and the page at first. And I was able to really be honest and just let everything out. And then finally I was ready to share it with people and to, you know, eventually go into performing and everything. So I think it was such a natural thing for me to just spill my life and my thoughts out onto the page. So I really didn't have any reservations about that. I feel like I, I didn't really worry about that. I mean, of course, I mm-hmm. worried about any references like when I was very young to any people who might not want to be in it. But I don't think that I was too detrimental to like any of my childhood friends or anything. But but, you know, they, they're they not into the public limelight or anything. I, I was I was really, really ready to tell the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, because that's it. You've got to be in the right place, haven't you? You know, because other people might be listening and thinking, you know what, I'd love I'd love to write my own book, you know, or, or you know, not everybody's a writer, could have a ghost yeah. writer that could help them write their yeah, own most, book. Most actors, yeah, most celebrity memoirs are ghost written. <laughs> yeah, you're an exception, Maitland. I know. <laughs> That's why I want to say this. I think everybody thinks, oh, she was like with her ghost writer helping her. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. Well, you you know, you had the experience, you, you, you did the training, you know, you went to to school to, to learn about writing. You know, it's not it's really not something you can just pick up. You know, just put it out there. I it's 
you are an open book and you know you've you've got to be ready for it but but I guess at the same time it's like when you're making the step into adult you've got to be ready for it because I know I think I had to be more ready then than I have to be for my book (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was more of an experience than my book (laughs) especially you know it's funny when I was first with like when I first started doing my own content and people in my life started knowing about it and stuff or starting finding out kind of about it. I think they, they might've thought I was totally crazy at the time, probably, but when it got so big and, and successful, they were like, Oh, now we see. So now they're like reading the book and they're like, Oh, okay. This is good. Like, yeah. So I've gotten a lot of positive support that way, but you were totally right. It was more when I was first having sex on camera. That was, <laughs> that was more uh, of a shock to people than, you know, you know, reading yeah. about it later when they see but they get all the behind the scenes stories and stuff too. Oh, like the little juicy stuff. Tell everyone the name of your book. Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood. We had an issues with this for a while trying to come up with the title, but uh, we definitely wanted to have how porn, you know, freed me from Hollywood or, or like that persona that I was stuck in. So we wanted it to really encapsulate, you know, my story and I you know, one, somebody at Atria just came up with that at Simon Schuster. And we were like, yeah, let's, that's like, just says it, you know, it just tells everybody what, what the book is about. So (laughs) your book, you can get it in, in hardback, Kindle, it's everything, audio, audio book. Did you, I've got to ask you, did you read the audio book? Yes. I sat in the studio for like, four days for, for like five hours a day. And it's wild to read your own story back to you. I mean, they're all in the booth and everything, but you know, just being in this little area where you're just reading the story. And, but I love reading stories. I mean, one of the first things that I did for my content was read sexy bedtime stories. And I, I, people really responded to that in the beginning where I, you were either write them or read them from other people. And like, um, you know, just do it in that sexy voice. And, and I just have a lot of fun with that. But when you're doing it that long every day, muscles that you never thought, like my bottom of my, my tongue was just like so tired and my throat was so dry. I had a throat coat tea, like all the time. The audiobook's done amazing. Like I, I'm really proud of that. Perfect. So it's, it's everywhere because they're all going to be listening. I've got to, got to go and get a copy. So (laughs) I want to know, like, you've had this just perfectly amazing career. And we talked about some of the challenges, you know, where the mainstream, you was in the box and you were looking for, for other things to do. But, you know, if, if you was to say, like, what was some of your biggest challenges that you've had in your career and, you know, how did you overcome them? Basically trying to... Well, to get out of that box, because it's, it's like being in a coffin, really like a, like a, or like I I, I make it, um, it's kind of like a being a Christmas ornament where they, you're a very lovely little Christmas ornament, little princess or whatever. And they put you up in the attic and every so often they want to bring you out to like be this little shiny thing for a little while. And then they put you back in the box. So it was really trying to define who I wanted to be as a person, as an actress, as a performer, as a writer, whoever, like just as a, as a woman and a person. 
And that was the biggest challenge. And it took many, many years. And people think, oh, she just had success. And she, no, I worked a lot of years on myself, on discovering myself decades, really with, from when Boy Meets World was on and until when I really found big success. Like they think, oh, she just went overnight into porn. No, I was working for like a, before I did my own content, which I was working like a year and a half on before I did, you know, film professional porn. I mean, I had been doing all of these things on social media, these sexy setups, these cosplay things, and I wasn't getting paid a lot of money. I, I went at Comic-Cons and stuff, but I was really doing it because I just loved it. And I loved, you know, just showing who I was as an authentic person. So I I, I really paid my dues for a very, very long time. And mm -hmm. I think that's important that you don't just come in, you don't just come into anything wanting success. Of course you want to succeed, but that can't be the only thing that you're getting out of it. You have to really be authentic. And I think when I was, you know, on the Disney universe and, and being really squeaky clean, good and everything, I wasn't showing people my authentic self. And once I started to like on social media, that's when they really started responding because they saw who I was truthfully. Yeah. And I think that's really important to not get caught up in, oh, you know, the money and the success and all of that, it has, the core of it has to really come from something that you love in order to really have authentic success, I guess, and feel happy about it completely. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, you know, be authentic to yourself and yeah. the fans can see it and be appreciative mm -hmm. for what you've got. And, and sure. you know, Absolutely. we all appreciate we're all very blessed. We're all very appreciative of our fans. Yes. And I think when you put it out there, that gratitude, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it just flows, you know, Absolutely. The success just flows. I'd be nowhere without my fans who followed me from social media and just grew from there. I couldn't have had success like this back in the days after Boy Meets World because we didn't have that connection with the fans like we do now, like that yeah. immediate connection, like the Twitter and Instagram and all that. Mm -hmm. So that was super important. And I'm so grateful for that. It's that regular social media started and then the premium social media started. Yes. So it's okay. We can go on to the regular social media, Twitter, like a few comments, reply to a few comments, but it's very difficult to, to be able to sit there all day long and be like, I'm going to sit here talking to you all day long. Whereas once the fans are very supportive and they move over with us, to you know our only friends right. or you know the other the other places that any of the other mm -hmm. content creators might use as well it's like the fans are getting that attention but they're giving a little bit you know they're paying a little bit of money for it so that yeah. makes us have the time to be able to sit down to be like hey i'm right. gonna sit here and i'm gonna talk to you you know right. or you know you're gonna interact whether it's on webcam you know whether it's on video you know the, the guys that can book video chats you know it is it's right. that one-on-one -on -one interaction and it's making that fan feel special and at the same time right. we just feel very blessed to be yeah. in the positions that we're in you, you know right very much so very much so so we know that your transition into adult films has been very savvy and very profitable move so what words of wisdom would you give to any other actors that have come from non-adult so I'm going to use the mainstream again, you know, like mainstream actors, actresses, models that might be thinking about following into your footsteps. Yeah, I wish more of them would. But yeah, I think it's, you know, adult is such a different kind of performance. And I know 
well, like you were saying, I can't act, but you do act in a different way with your physicality and everything. It's so it's a different, it's like, okay, maybe an ice skater isn't a ballet dancer, but it's a different way to express your, your talent. So you are, you know, expressing yourself in that way. You know, I, the advice that I would give them, well, definitely in this day and age for anybody building that fan base on social media, definitely with OnlyFans and stuff, if you can build that base first, that's so important. And that gives you such a leg up in everything. Um, and I think that's true for girls young coming in to anybody who wants to try adult. I think it's so important now to just gain that base that's going to come with you come with you. I didn't, that's not a dirty reference. I meant like travel. Um, <laughs> going to travel with you to your next destination. Um, so they, yeah, that's important to get that fan base really behind you. And again, not a, another reference, but they're, <laughs> they're, yeah, just to have that, those people that will really support you and be there with you. And I think that's important a lot in like professional adult shoots too. They're really looking at, you know, who has the bigger only fans or big social media or who is gaining popularity in that way. You know, yeah. you don't have to have the biggest, but you're, you have a steamroller effect. <laughs> like it's kind of, there, you're getting more and more fans. You're getting more and more subscribers and stuff. So that's definitely. Yeah, that, that is true. Like the production companies, you know, it's different for me because I've shot for like most of the production companies. So I'm not mm -hmm. a new person that they need to shoot. But a lot of the production companies, you know, they will, they'll sit there and they'll be like, okay, there's a lot of people coming up on OnlyFans that are, you know, doing stuff in their house. So let's look and let's see, you know, who's who's who, what, what are they doing? Right, How many right. followers have they got on Twitter? Right. How many followers have they got on Instagram? Even though a lot of us keep getting deleted off Instagram yeah. and, you know, so they, they will look and they'll see your popularity. So it's, it, it's getting that, that, fan base and being right. authentic with them and getting to know them and then right. you know once the production company you know for, for you, you you said you know you went and you did the movie drive and the subscriptions just going up and up because what you did there you've got your only fans you've now you've got a massive media company like yeah. they're they're a massive company and they've got a massive fan base. So then suddenly, like, you are making a movie for them. So all their fans are automatically going to see you. And a lot of them are going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to join their OnlyFans to see. Let's, I, I want to see a little piece of what else she's got to offer. Mm -hmm. And it, it's it's like everything's hand in hand, isn't it? You know, getting things moving. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. And, the, yeah, and, like, the, the press was just, like, just the press you know recognizing it i mean it's still i think on all the is it all the daily mail pieces that i have one of them one of the british press there it always plays the trailer for drive <laughs> because it was that's <laughs> when they look back at your like you know your work and stuff with the, so yeah. once kept that on yeah, there yeah, so they can look at it every day <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to take that ad off <laughs> Well, I think it's just showing my work. So they're oh. like, they're talking about me in an article. So it's not like an ad, but it's like, yeah, but it's, it is an ad too. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of both. You were like, someone slipped that on there. That was a nice free ad. Yeah. <laughs> when you spoke about, you know, you mentioned something 
that you know you wanted to write a book or you, you put it out there mm-hmm. for me I remember years ago I did an interview for like a small magazine in Ireland in Dublin mm-hmm. and it was like a music magazine and the guy I forgot his surname I think his first name was Jason maybe and he said I want to do an interview with you so I said okay so I was in Dublin I I, I lived in Liverpool area and it's like really close just got on a plane and a lot of like my friends we'd go over on little like weekends and stuff so I was over there and I said I'll do the interview with you and then just one passing comment I said I'd love to do a movie in Ireland you know because they've not made any movies in Ireland and then it was just like a passing comment of me thinking I love Ireland this much I'm always coming back I love the lads to have a good crack with them and then it went from there where he printed it in this in this magazine and he basically left the magazine so it was like his goodbye gift he'd interviewed this <laughs> adult star he's like yeah I want to yeah. make a movie and <laughs> the one of the the big production companies in the UK that had like the the TV um that the TV channel they approached me and we ended up making a movie that where yeah. I went around Ireland in a camper van and the Irish guys would come in and make the camper van rock you know <laughs> <laughs> it was great and the press like they, they they pick up on it don't they there's like one thing so no one had done that in Ireland no nobody had done that so literally like it, it keep coming up in the press and even like like even a, just a couple of years ago another thing will come up in the press and somebody would be like and Tanya Tate and they'd reference you so sometimes it, you, you know things are very newsworthy and when you can get oh, that yeah. newsworthy hook in, sometimes yeah. it'll keep, you know, bringing it back up and you, the, you'll keep the f- potential fans will keep being reminded of you. Yeah. I honestly think that they feel like a lot of people feel like since I was on Boy Meets World and I was in their living rooms on in Friday nights or wh- whatever, they feel they can ask me a little more questions as an adult performer because I'm safer quote unquote you know i mean i think it's just a mindset you know and i think just general people in the public too just fans and or people that are interested about the industry if they want to ask questions about the industry they feel like a little safer i i don't know like (laughs) you're not as closed you know it's it's like you're your own person and you're okay to answer the questions and if you're not you'll say you know i don't want to answer that question right 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 but I'm, I'm just going to ask you one more thing now because oh, yeah. I, I did bring you on and I we are talking about your book and, you <laughs> you, you know, you told us the, the journey of your book. But if someone else is listening, you, you know, what advice would you give to someone that wants to share their memoirs? Oh, I think it would be great for everyone to write down their memoir, no matter if you want to publish it or not. I think it really gives you a perspective on your life. Like you really look back on the past, especially younger years, and you see things in such a different way, like you really examine yourself. It's very cathartic. It's very, it's good for your psyche, really. I mean, because you get to really work through things in your past that maybe you had just buried or forgotten and depending on what, you know, issues and traumas or whatever you have in your past, uh, it's, it's so good to just write down on the page, no matter what it looks like, just, you know, just get out your feelings, get out your thoughts, be as honest as possible you're being honest with yourself, really. Like I said, when I wrote those erotic stories and stuff, I was writing to the page and it was a secret between me and the page. So that can definitely be the start of something for someone wanting to tell their story, just a secret between you and the page. And then eventually you might feel braver to 
share more of your story, especially if it's a story that, you know, would help people or, or you feel like people would be interested in and they'd like to read about. And I think, I think everyone has a story. And I used to think like, oh, the hardships in my life, why can't it just be easy like this? Or why can't I just get this part or, but it all makes up your story. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have a story if I didn't have all of the hardships along the way, all of disappointments and, and having to fight for things and, and just all of it. I, you know, it makes up your story is and everybody has one, but I definitely think everyone should write down their story. It is so good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody's going to write down the memoirs. They're going to write down the story. How easy is it to kind of get that published? The, the steps it's not easy. I can't say it's easy. A lot of people do a self-publishing thing where they, especially if they haven't had any experience like as a writer or anything like that. So um, I said, oh, it happened easily, but I did have a story that was like different and had some, you know, had media attention. And had, it was unique. Yes. And also cause of the boy meets world angle and all of that. So it was definitely interest to the public and stuff. And also uh, if they're, if they've been a writer, like too, if they've like trained as a writer or if they've done a lot of writing, cause if they're just writing their story down, it's going to be, and they're not a writer or they don't know the like the format and everything and they don't have any editor or anything. That's tough to get because it's not in like a professional format, I guess. But I would recommend if they do really feel passionate about their story, I would think like, I think you should write the whole thing out if you're going to submit it to anybody. Like I did a couple of chapters plus my thing, but that was different. But um, yeah, I think so people can really see like what, especially if they, if you're not like a, if it's just, if somebody who doesn't have like a, like a public story, I guess. Um, but you know, I, there's all sorts of options out there. People love to read all sorts of books and there's so many, mm-hmm. write it down and see how it goes. <laughs> write it down. I can put, see put something together. It. Maybe you don't want to share it. Maybe you are more private than I am. <laughs> and you, maybe, you know, people write down a story and they're like, oh, maybe I don't want to share this to the public. So you can, but I do want to say if you write, if you're not honest and if you're not, um, you know, coming from your own personal truth, I, people can tell that it's, glossy or you know it's not authentic i've read a few books like that you you read you read about people you know someone's autobiography and you read it and you think oh you read you read them yeah you know when you you know when you them no sorry i was like oh i was like you wrote unauthentic things (laughs) no when you i've sorry i'll say it again when you you know when you read someone's and you're reading the autobiography and you're like hmm Hmm. That's yeah, very exactly. glossy, very glossy. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you might know the other side of the story. <laughs> right. Right. And, right. Very, very many times. I know because people don't want to expose all the truth. So they want to just, you know, have the truth out there that makes them look good. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. That's the one, isn't it? But, oh my goodness. You know what, Maitland, it's been absolutely amazing. I'm so excited oh, for you. Your books, you're going to do amazing the tours, all those bookshelves that are going to be getting cleared, you know, Amazon, everyone's going to be getting on Amazon. So tell everyone where they can find you online. Oh, you can find me on, well, all my like Twitter and Instagram is, you know, Maitland Ward, my name, M-A-I-T-L-A-N-D-W-A-R-D. And I have a TikTok that I haven't even announced anybody, but uh, I have fun with people on there. I'm just, just, you know, trying it out still. But it's Maitland Talks, T-O-K-S, because 
somebody else had my name and we're still working on that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Maitland. It's been wonderful. It's it's just been a fabulous, fantastic interview. You're an amazing oh, person. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sonia. <laughs> you take care. Yay, bye. Bye. <laughs> this is Tanya Tate. Skinfluencer. Success. Thank you all for joining me on Tanya Tate Presents Skinfluencer Success Podcast. Treat your family like friends and your friends like family. And just be grateful and feel appreciation for those in your life that accept you for who you are. Who would do anything to make you smile and love you no matter what. Let's be honest, this is a hard job for some of us that we do. It's a hard job in terms of other people to accept. Just keep being you and surround yourself with those people that love you for you, that accept you for who you are, that are not judgmental about what you do and how you make your money. Appreciate those moments. The memories that we make with our family and friends really is everything. I was gonna ask you, what precious moments to remember are you making today? So what do you think of my podcast and having the guest on the video podcast? You can see this first before anybody else on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Tanya Tate. It's also released on onlyfans.com slash Tanya Tate and later on youtube.com slash Tanya Tate tube. Who would you like to see me interview on my video section of the Skinfluencer Success Podcast? Who would be an inspiring guest to ask them to share their success story? Or do you have a question that you want me, one of my guests to answer? Did I raise any questions today that got you asking questions out loud or wanting to know more or want some advice on? You can leave me feedback or ask me questions relevant to the Skinfluencer Success Podcast using the hashtag AskTanyaTate. You can ask me by commenting on my latest posts on Twitter at TanyaTate. TikTok and YouTube is at Tanya Tate Tube. And you can also leave me a voice note on my SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe.com slash Tanya Tate. Leave a message and you might get featured on a future episode. So let's listen to my favorite SpeakPipe voice notes of this episode. Um, hi. Um, I was wondering if you already have a full-time personal slave assistant. Uh, please let me know. Thank you. Oh, now he's wondering, but I already have a full-time personal slave assistant. Please let me know. Thank you. Oh, where were you when I was on my UK trip? Oh, I could have put you to work as my slave assistant. Oh my goodness. I, I think this is definitely something that we need to explore. Slave, hit me up. Get over to my OnlyFans or Sex Panther. Get on over there and then... We can discuss, we can discuss more about you being my slave. Some of you will be listening like and be like, oh my God, what's she talking about? I have to tell you, people have different things, different things that get them off that they, you know, that makes them excited. And for some people being someone's personal slave is that be all and end all. So, but yeah, I definitely, you know, he's asked me the question. 
I've told them, get on over there and let's, let's talk in a more appropriate place, shall we? Let's listen to my next speak pipe. Caller 69, wanted to say thank you for all of the time, effort, work, dedication, passion, love, and commitment that you put into your podcast. Being a charter member of Patreon, I can tell you the amount of time it must take uh, to do just the video and then the audio. So it's two for one. And hope a lot of people take advantage of that. They get an opportunity to see you, hear from you, and the amount of positivity that you're spreading to help a lot of people across a lot of different genres and demographics. It's truly, truly special. Your guests are fantastic. And this goes way back to the vivid days when you had guests on and including me. Um, but I want to say thank you again. And also thank you for the birthday wishes. I think you've done a fantastic job with this new version of your podcast and many people should take advantage of what's available to them. It's really, truly special to have the opportunity to see and know the person behind the content. And I want to say thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. Caller 69. Yes. Caller 69 is a member of my Patreon. And Caller 69 has also rang into Vivid Radio back in those days when I was a weekly host on Vivid Radio, which was syndicated on Sirius XM. I'm just blown away by those words, kind words. Just amazing. Thank you for being that person thank you for being one of those people that i'm showing deep appreciation for today and thank you for having that trust in me to support me also on patreon as well so if you do get to leave a voice note and i read it out and of course if i am impressed by it <laughs> some of your voice notes i'm not very impressed by i have to say um we, we do have very ranging comments um but yeah, we, we had some good comments today. Let me know. Hit me up with your mailing address, your name, and I'll be sending a thank you photo for showing your show of appreciation for leaving a voice note. So if you are listening to me on the podcast on Apple, Amazon, Audible, and are inspired by any of the words you hear, please be sure to leave me a written review. And God damn it, give me a five stars. I'm like, we... we there's a lot of you that listen. I know from the stats, a lot of you definitely are downloading it. I really appreciate that. Can you just click on the five stars while you're at it if you're really appreciating it? You can also give a five-star rating on Spotify as well. And if I do see you leaving some feedback, I will be reading it out and giving a shout-out. So thank you guys for all the support. Keep it coming in. I love hearing what you think about the show. And of course, if you do want to get to call me via phone, video chat, you know where you can find me my premium social media platforms, sexpanda.com slash tanyatate or onlyfans.com slash tanyatate. And we can get to chat one-on-one -on -one over there. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Patreon at tanyatate. And my TikTok and YouTube is at tanyatatetube. You can see all my official links include my premium social media and my link tree. Just search link tree and my name, tanyatate. It's all one word. And remember, if you don't see it on my link tree, it's not me. And you're going to be one of the very first to see my video podcast on patreon.com slash tanyatate. Patreon members get to exclusively see me reveal in advance 
the episode guest. I just did that today. Posted, posted up already on Patreon. And Patreon members are going to get treated to clips that, should we say, a little bit too racy for the final cut of the video. You can also join me on my highest tier over on Patreon to get shout-outs. And this episode shout-out of appreciation for being a top-level tier member goes to Jessica Ryan. Thank you, girl. Thank you so much for being amazing, for supporting a fellow content creator. You can follow her on twitter.com slash lovejessicaryan. And I just want to give a, a special thank out as well. Another one of my fellow creators, Mrs. Robinson, who I had on um, a few episodes ago. She's also a member of my Patreon. So big thank you. She's got that extra shout out. So yeah, if you do want a shout out on, on my podcast and you want to be a part of Patreon, upgrade. Upgrade. So you're going to be one of my top level tier members. And yeah. And I will be shouting you out. Thank you so much. This is Tanya Tate. Whatever you are doing today, be grateful and feel appreciation for those people in your life who are loving and supporting you. Feel joy in all those precious moments you experience. Now get out there and go build your bank.